Hi everybody, welcome back to Mum Mania UK. Um, today I am joined by panellist Tembisa, or Tembi as she's well known, my lovely cousin Frankie, give us away Frankie, and my lovely mummy. Now my mum is a um, drug and alcohol substance, no, we, we, she told me before and it's gone out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> She's a substance misuse practitioner. Sorry. Okay. Um, I should know my mum's job role. I do now. Um, <laughs> so, you know, um, basically, um, today we're going to be having, well, quite a frank, honest conversation about anxiety and depression surrounding becoming a parent really I mean I don't know if any of us here experienced depression or anxiety before becoming a parent I know I didn't but most of us it seems have experienced um, these issues once we've come into motherhood and um, we are seeing so much in the press and on social media about um, people dealing with this now and talking about it and I just think we should carry on the conversation and the more people talk about it then the less frowned on it will be because one thing people often feel is ashamed or embarrassed when talking about their depression or anxiety and it's a mental health condition that cannot be helped it's not something that you decide to wake up and become depressed um, these things can creep up upon us and I definitely think that more people should have this conversation to open up the doors for anyone else that could be going through something similar so that's basically what we're going to be discussing today and there could be some things that we discuss that could set off some triggers for people throughout this conversation and I don't know when they might be said so just to be mindful that if you don't think that you're in a place to listen to it then you, you know it might not be the right time for you right now or on the other hand it could be a really good time for you to listen to this because you're going to hear make perhaps like-minded people talking about their experiences that they've had and it could really help you at this time so I really do hope that this conversation helps somebody out there because um I would have loved to heard some more conversations about this being a bit more normal when I was going through it so you know let's just get started and um um Tembi um I know that you have been going through a lot of anxiety and um you know it'll be really interesting to to hear more about how it kind of began mm. I mean I think you know like when you're asking if anyone had any any anxiety prior to being um, a parent. I think when I, I, I've done counselling a few times now in my life, and I think when I look back to how I grew up, I did suffer it. It's just, you didn't necessarily see it and you would do things to kind of mask it um, and things like that. But I think when I had Sequoia, I think that's when I didn't even know that's, that's what I was going through. I remember bringing her home the first um, day and obviously you're so exhausted, aren't you? And then the panic kicks in and the palpitations because you're like, am I doing it right? You know, how, 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 how many times am I supposed to feed them? 
changing them, making sure they're breathing, um, things like that. And then like, I remember I had a panic attack the first time I took her out. Wow. We went to Lucian and I was with my mum and um, I was like, I can't do it. I was breastfeeding. So it was that whole thing of, or when you're breastfeeding, how do you breastfeed without exposing your boob? You know, all, all those kind of things. Is it acceptable to breastfeed? You know, because back then you didn't even really have spaces, you know, where you could go and safe spaces where you could breastfeed, you know, think about like 12 years ago, it's crazy. So it was all those kind of things. So I think as I started going out with her and started doing things, and I think it went on for a really long time. I used to take her to baby play in Bromley and just before I'd left the house, it'd be like, have I got this? Have I got that? What if she cries? What if she needs a poo? Like, how am I going to be able to do this all by myself? Mm. And I think as time went on, it just became different little things that would trigger me. So when she went to nursery and I was going to work, I had guilt for going back to work because I went back when she was about maybe like nine months, which was quite early. And, you know, like, going to work, making sure I was leaving work. on. I'd have anxiety all day at work going, I've got to leave, I've got to leave, I've got to leave. If I don't leave on time, I'm not going to pick her up on time and she might be upset. And then I had anxiety about leaving work because I was a mum, you know? So there were loads and loads of different things. And then I think it came to head when I broke up with her dad and our breakup wasn't that great. And um, I remember going into her... Um, her health check visit and the health visitor said oh how are you getting on and I literally broke down and I was like I can't cope and she said you know do you have feelings of you know just wanting to end it and I was I was like kind of yeah like I don't know what I'm doing like honest to god I don't know if I'm doing anything right for this child and then luckily you know she put me she referred me and then I started going into counseling but I think I've had Jaden and it's just, you know, with each child, it, it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. Like I was saying to you the other day, you know, sometimes I'll talk because my kids have two dads, different dads rather, two well, they have got two, each. Dads, two dads each, yeah. Um, and when, years ago, my relationship with Sequoia's dad wasn't great. Now it's fantastic. We get on really, really well. Um, but with my son's dad, at the moment, though we do get on, um, I think it's because of the pandemic as well, everyone's going through stuff and things like, I do have anxiety when I have to talk to him because um, my son has decided that he doesn't want to go to his dad's because he's too scared about bringing COVID in and out of different each house and things like that. His dad wants to see him. I don't like confrontation on the best of days, you know. Um, so I get anxiety every time we have to speak because it's like, how do I navigate? We've had that conversation, isn't it? Mm. You know, saying to Jake, you've got to go, but I'm panicking because when he goes, he's screaming and shouting, but he has a great time and it's his dad. So yeah, yeah mine hasn't, I've learned how to deal with it and I've learned how to deal with my triggers and mm. acknowledge them, but I, I, it definitely hasn't gone away. Mm. It def and I think the, the pandemic's probably made it a little bit worse because, you know, we were homeschooling, we were you know, cooking every day, cleaning every day, working every day. And it's just like, am I doing the right thing for me and my children? And am I even a good mum? Especially when you're not, you maybe haven't been out of the house for like three days. And you're like, 
God, I've got to take them out. And I, I don't, as a person, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. You Once know? you go, you're fine. It's just the going. Yeah, it's it? just that whole getting out um, and things like that. And I talked to my mum. My mum suffered, suffered it as well. She still suffers anxiety. When I was in t- a teenager, I can't remember what it's called, but it's that um, fear of leaving the house. Agoraphobia. Yeah, agoraphobia. She has that. Even now with the pandemic, she will only go out if she has to do shopping. But generally she won't. So I don't know whether, I don't know whether because but when I was younger, she didn't really have it. It's just more she's got older. But, you know, as parents, you do, there's a lot of us that suffer it, What is what I'm trying to say, really. But that's my experience anyway. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I didn't so. even realise, actually, that you'd gone through it with um, Sequoia. And I feel that from a lot of what you said, you're very confident, bubbly, um, happy character and mm. I feel like that is exactly what you want people to see and believe and mask <laughs> yeah, and, and and this is the reason why often as women we just crack on we just we've got crap to do we just mm-hmm. get on with it and the problem is is that when you're doing that nobody knows that anything is going on because I definitely didn't know I definitely I know more now Mm. And I might say things to you personally about my feelings, but I definitely would not have thought that with um, Sequoia. And I guess I don't, I, with my first child, I didn't have any feelings like that was more with my second. So with Amira, I didn't. Mm. Um, and I think obviously we had kids within a few months of each other. So maybe I, I wasn't even able to sort of be any kind of support system for you because I was going through having my own child. Mm. Um, but I do know what you mean. I think any new parent um, goes through so much anxiety, especially the first time. It's just, but I guess it, it can then lead to so many, you start going through that anxiety and then there's lots of different triggers that happen. Um, but that it's the mask that people put on that is the scary part because, you know, you hear terrible stories about people committing suicide and all sorts of things and no one knew that there was anything wrong with this person. And that's why we just got to keep talking, you know, it's just so important that um, it's okay to show um, your feelings about this and it's not about just being strong and getting through it you know you don't have to be alone when you're going through these things um so Frankie um I recently we've spoken about your anxiety and um I think that it's definitely seems from what I know um on the back of your you having your two boys so do you want to tell us some more yeah I mean um as you are probably well aware Danielle um it's a big family thing especially on my mum's side um they've all struggled um with depression and anxiety um I've always sort of had depression I feel like depression is a strong word but I suppose it has been um where I've had you know little bits of counselling here and there um uh, I was put on antidepressants but I didn't take them um when was that just personal choice that was oh, must be about 10 years ago now I think okay. yeah about 10 years um so it's always been there and now that I have researched a lot more into anxiety I realise that that's always been there as well um but just something I sort of just dealt with really but then after having my first child after having Loki um I had quite bad depression and I kept saying I don't really want to be here the only reason I'm staying here is for him 
I only want to be here because of the baby. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm. Um, and I went to the doctors and he was actually really rubbish <laughs> and just sort of said, look, you're a new mum. You're probably a bit bored being at home. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's a big shock to the system. Just take some time. And it was actually a friend at work. Um, I was at work and I was talking to her about it by the coffee machine, as you do. And um, she said, have you gone back on your contraceptive pill? And I said, yeah. And she said, come, come off it. She said, your body has been through the biggest change it's going to go through. And your hormones are completely different to the way they were before. She said, so come off of it. And it, it helped. I was, I was fine. So nice. I think it was a bit of a chemical imbalance after having my first baby but um doctor the, just did not say anything no no <laughs> he was really rubbish wow. um so yeah that was quite disappointing but you know I've had other times when I've gone you know before having the kids I've gone in and I've spoken to people and they've been brilliant so it's not you know it's not a, a case of all doctors are rubbish at dealing depression it's nothing like that but um I just felt he didn't handle that very well at all and if it wasn't for that friend I, I probably would have carried on taking I don't know maybe disconnected with the baby I don't know yeah. but it, you know I was just in a really low space um but when it comes to anxiety I didn't really know much about that I thought it just sort of referred to being nervous if you know what I mean yeah. but since having Cass well actually probably since more the pandemic now um this anxiety is a new level like I've no, I've learned new things about anxiety that I just didn't even know existed and explains a lot of my whole life really mm. especially since having the children um things like irritability like I'm so irritable sometimes and I didn't realize that that's because I'm feeling anxious okay. um so I've always had the sort of I'm going to say normal um anxiety things you know a bit nervous before going to a party um you know that sort of not feeling where you're like oh god I feel really anxious but um since the first sort of lockdown um these new <laughs> symptoms they're crazy um I actually went to A and E because I thought I was having a heart attack and had an ECG. <laughs> and they said, no, you're just having an anxiety attack. Um so yeah. Oh new, gosh. new things. Wow. wow. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. You know, yeah. Francesca, you know when you said earlier, you just said they just said you had an anxiety attack. Mm. They thought well, that sounds very blase, doesn't it? They just said. Did they offer you any support or advice of what to do about your anxiety attacks? Not really there, no, because it was a, um, what's those, it's not A&E, but it's like a... Oh, like it's, cell doc. Well, it's, it's in a small hospital, but they don't deal with, you know, if you went in there and you were having a heart attack, they couldn't deal with that. They deal with like the smaller things, minor injuries, oh, that's, okay. that sort of thing. So they were there and... I shouldn't have really gone there. She actually said, if you're having chest pains, you shouldn't really come here. You should go to A&E. But I didn't really know what to do because I, I wasn't keeling over, obviously. Was um, the trigger that got you to that point? What happened before that? Or did it just, you know, 
how did you get to that point where you were having those feelings? What happened? It was um, it was in that period where we were just coming. We were allowed to do things again. So I had taken the kids to the zoo. And when I was coming home, I was feeling really stressed. And I was like, oh, I don't want to go home. And then when I got in the door, I just literally had to sit down on the floor and I just started crying. And, you know, my partner was like, what's the matter? And I was just like, oh, I just feel really stressed. I feel really, I feel just feel stressed. I don't want to be here. And I calmed down. But from that moment, my heart was like tight. My chest was all tight and I felt like I just couldn't calm down. And I went to bed and everything. And in the morning, that's when it started again. And I was, it was all hurting here. And I was, it was just felt so tight. And I said, I'm having a heart attack. I'm going to die. And so, yeah, that's when I went to minor injuries. And do, you, do you think it might have been because you've been in so long and then you got to go somewhere? Like the whole yeah. thing was just overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, we all know how stressful it is getting out of the house with children. Mm-hmm. So I've gone through all of that stress getting out of the house. It's stressful being out of the house with children because they're just demanding all the time aren't they you know don't go near that person yeah (laughs) and especially in the pandemic you're like they don't understand social distancing exactly and even you know even pre pre pandemic you're like oh that's the car park don't run Mm. be careful over there don't do this what are we gonna have for lunch please eat your lunch please eat your lunch (laughs) Um, so it's just like you know a constant stress and i think yeah uh, we'd been inside for that whole time which actually was shorter than this time around but um I think I just got to a point where I felt like I was coming back to a prison mm. um with these two demanding little creatures so it just <laughs> <laughs> it just felt you know really stressful um wow. so yeah and I've had that was back in what when was that August I think we were going through that sort of coming out time maybe a bit before that and I've had about five anxiety attacks since then just at different stages for different reasons I'll tell you about this one it's absolutely ridiculous and now I look at it no you can't say that I actually actually find it funny now because it really is a funny story but my anxiety seems to be stronger at night time Okay. So when I get in bed, I have to sort of like really chill down. But then when I actually lay down to go to sleep, that's when I start thinking. And I've got this new thing at the moment about death, um, particularly being murdered. I don't know why, um, but it's just something that's playing on my mind at the moment. So um, I had been asleep for probably about an hour. And then my youngest one woke up crying. So I went in to sort him out. And then I went for a wee on the way back and there was a helicopter, which we often get because we live right by the M20. So it's a helicopter and it was flying low um, and I could really hear it. And my mind went into overdrive about the helicopter crashing into the house and like we being cut up by the, ble- by the blades. <laughs> and then I was back in bed by this point and I kept thinking about it. I was getting all hot and stressed. And then you know how you get down a rabbit hole of thoughts and I started imagining uh, myself being killed in a speedboat accident 
and I had a full-blown anxiety attack in the middle of the night about being killed in a speedboat accident which stemmed from here in a helicopter and you know and I get myself stressed because I keep thinking my children won't have a mom and the pain and like Mm -hmm. crazy thoughts and that was my most recent one it's funny you say that because I've hadn't had extreme things like that, but I I do have thoughts sometimes. Um, like if I got COVID, you know, what would happen? Would I get it to the extreme? What would happen to my children? How would mm. I set them up? Who's going to have them and things like that? And I think what you're going through, though you're saying it is an extreme and you feel like, oh, you know, it's a bit silly. Honest to God, I think there's so many people that go through that. I think mm. where we're at the moment, because we've never really thought that we'd be in a whole pandemic for like a year, mm. anything's possible. So your mind goes, well, if it's possible for me to be locked up in my house for nearly a year, it's quite possible that the, the helicopter can probably land. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I do, yeah, I do get that. I understand what how your brain processed that whole thing. So it's yeah. really, like I'd probably go down that rabbit hole as well, <laughs> just because of where we've been for that. Yeah. But the funny thing is, is that I I think when you become a parent, you suddenly do, especially earlier on, you're terrified of your child not breathing, or, or and then you're terrified of yourself not being. I I know I am, and I I even have been having these thoughts of um I'm supposed to be having a knee operation for knee reconstruction, and thinking what if I don't wake up, what's going to happen to my kids? And I actually have gone to the lengths of writing in my laptop like a, a, a letter for them about how I feel about them <laughs> it makes me feel a bit emotional because <laughs> I've never told anybody this um even my partner he doesn't know but it's because I'm really terrified that that one that something might happen to me and that I won't be there for them so I've got this thing and so every now and then, every few months I'll just go in and write something else about it in the notes on my laptop and um and I have been thinking, oh my God, should I have this operation? And and I'm now I'm in two minds about the operation because of my mobility being a lot better. But then I also need to have an operation on my bunions because my feet give me a lot of problems. That's another discussion. <laughs> but um, I'll keep panicking. And um, with when you have a baby, especially, um, you know, it, I'm thinking to myself, I'm the only one thinking that, but... Um, obviously, you know, Frankie, your situation is a lot more elevated, but I don't know, maybe it's just normal for us to feel like scared to die because we don't know, we don't want to leave our kids. I mean, I suffer from anxiety, um, but is this normal? I mean, um, mum, you're obviously a counsellor and, you know, a a professional counsellor, and I know that your line of work at the moment is not necessarily dealing with this kind of depression, but, you know, is from your experience is this normal you know to have children and then just feel scared about dying you know I mean yeah I think definitely I mean if you think about it you know when you're first pregnant and when you come near to your due date I remember having extreme feelings of anxiety and panic about this this isn't about me anymore Mm. I'm not important the most important thing is my child that's in my belly and my life is is going to change and it's never going to be the same again. And I'm responsible for this little human being. And I think that's absolutely huge. And I think for us to be feeling that anxiety about dying and what's going to happen to our children 
is one of the most natural things. And I think that you'd find that sort of 99% of mothers would actually feel like that. And it's very, very common. It's just the unspoken word. We don't talk about it. We push it away. And um, that's the problem that we don't talk about it. We do push it away. And it, obviously with my client group, uh, a lot of the clients have had children. Their children have been taken away from them because of their drug addiction um, or the alcohol addiction. So, um, you know, and anxiety is a huge thing in people that have drug and alcohol issues um, because it exacerbates it and causes a lot more problems. So it's absolutely huge. And I would say that 90% of my clients actually have, um, what should I say, 99%, 90% of my clients have mental health issues. And that's um, what's made them use drugs in the first place. And it starts out as anxiety and depression because of what may have happened to them in the past or where they're at now. So um, I don't think we can ever underestimate how people feel and how much anxiety and depression there is out there, as you say, especially for new mums. And um, there are lots of techniques and things that you can do to help support people with anxiety and depression. But when they are using substances and it makes it 10 times worse, it's harder because obviously that that drug or that alcohol is going to make their symptoms worse mm -hmm. so it's like a vicious circle how do you get out of that how do you stop it so it can be very frustrating and very difficult working with with people and also mothers often don't come into services about the drug and alcohol abuse because they're scared their children are going to get taken away from them so most of my clients are men I'd say only 10% of my clients are actually women because they're frightened, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. So it's huge for for women, you know, with children. I think, well, I think um, alcohol probably is such, I mean, to be addicted to alcohol must be just the worst because it's such a socially acceptable thing. It's yeah. actually some people almost feel like it's a bit weird if you go out to dinner and you don't have an, a white glass mm -hmm. of wine. To, so to yeah, stop. Well, yeah, and exactly. Also, Whereas shooting up. Um, some heroin is just not socially acceptable and shameful you know mm. so that's a whole different ball ball game but, but there's I think loads we... of times as mums where we're just like oh have a glass of wine take the edge off you know and can you just see the the downhill spiral from from that because if I did that every single time to take the edge off then it, you know I, I just don't keep wine like that anyway mm. um and I don't think I have an addictive personality particularly and also wine and alcohol I, the next day even if I just have a glass and a half I feel it the next day so I'm less inclined to drink that much Definitely. however occasionally it's um it does there have been times in the lockdown where I've just been up and in that moment but you can actually see how that can so easily become mm. your go-to to feel a bit better every night you know and how yeah, your crutch your yeah crutch. yeah yeah that line take away the edge. edge taking the edge off is the exact problem isn't it that's mm. because it does that you know people use it to take the edge off all the time imagine yeah. how many edges people have and if they're trying to take those off all the time mm. that's when it becomes a problem Definitely. but i'm you know i okay. limit my alcohol so much i barely have any because it's just it's the next day, I'm just so, I cry all day. Really? <laughs> like, 
it's just even it's just one even if you just have one yeah well it's a, it is a depressant alcohol yeah. and it, if you drink it regularly it will make your anxiety 10 times worse so it's really not alcohol is the worst thing in regards to that. I think you say that because I think the last, the, yeah, last year's pandemic, I I didn't drink every night, but I did drink. You know, I don't I don't drink wine anymore because I realised it was a trigger to depression. So if mm. I drink wine, the next day I wake up and for the whole week I'll just be crying. I'd feel mm. awful. So I've gone to gin. And I was like, you know, gin's great. I can wake up the next day and I feel completely fine. And then I think I had to, I had to, there was a point where I I think I had antibiotics or something and I had to stop drinking for a week. And that week I felt awful, like absolutely awful. And I was like to my mum, I don't feel well. I just feel awful. Maybe it's the antibiotics. And she went, maybe it's just the fact that you've stopped drinking where you've been drinking the gin every single day and your body's now trying to function. Do you know what I mean? It's become Mm. so used to it that now it's trying to function without it. So after that, I was a bit like, oh, I don't want to make this a problem because I can, I obsess about stuff. I don't know whether it's an addictive personality or not, but I do become quite obsessive. So I didn't want to kind of go, oh, once I'm, I'm off the antibiotics, I'm going to drink again. Um, so I've learned how to kind of tailor it down, but also with drinking, I always find you have to be so careful because like, I kind of glad we're in the pandemic because I used to go out and like binge drink. Yeah. Go out and you'd be like, go to the bar with your mates and you'd be like, it's almost the unsaid word of let's see how many drinks we could get in before we go home and have to deal with the kids or, you know, the next day and stuff like that, which is equally unhealthy because the knock-on effect, we're not young anymore, the knock-on effect the next day lasts last about two, three weeks. For mm. me to get myself back on an even kill and just feel okay. And in those weeks, it's the tiredness, the anxiety might pop up a little bit more but I don't realize I just think oh I'm just tired because I've been at work and the kids but actually in fact when I've actually thought about it it's the result of what the alcohol's done to my body mm-hmm. and this, this is exactly the point as well when you've got children isn't it because you yeah. can't just lie in bed with a hangover the next day you still have to get up and look after them yeah. so it's it's a double whammy isn't it it's just you know it makes it that much harder so um you know, we have to put our children first, don't we? And sometimes that's difficult because we want to put ourselves first occasionally and we can't do that or we feel that we can't do it. There are circumstances when we can, but we feel that we're not able to do the things we really want to do because we're sometimes, because we've got our children to think about. And as an older woman with grown-up children, you think that when your children get to a certain age and they become adults, you stop (laughs) worrying about them. I'm telling you, you don't stop ever stop worrying about them. You will still worry about them and you still have anxiety mm. um, and want to make everything right for them. You don't want them to be in pain. You don't you don't want them to have any difficulties in their life. You just want them to be happy. And that never goes away. No, I think my mum suffers with that worse now than she did when we were younger. Because obviously when we were younger, we were all with her. Yeah. Yeah, we we're in the house. She was having a lovely time. But now that we're older she really does suffer with it <laughs> my youngest sister went to australia uh, not australia thailand and she went to thailand as well <laughs> <laughs> keep an eye on her <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> check out my daughter 
yeah. yeah. So, oh, I mean, man. she could see her the whole time they were there, but just knowing that she was in the same country made her feel better. Mm. She, you know, couldn't deal with the stress of, you know, Ellie being all the way over there. And to be honest, you know, I think I'm going to be a mum like that with Sequoia. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I do think about when they have to leave me and I just think, what am I going to do? Like, yeah. honest to God, like, I have. Well, I've just had a baby, so I kind of think, all right, oh, the next 18 years, I've got to You haven't got to worry about it for Each a while. Show you have, you kind of, you kind of definitely roped in for 18 years, right? So, yeah. <laughs> I don't have to worry about that just yet. I'm not really, all right, all right, yeah. Amira's going to go off soon because she's obviously 11 going on 12. But, you know, I've got a bit, you know, I've got, my bubba now so you know yeah, the boys. and to be honest the boys probably won't leave home until they're 30 anyway <laughs> what, yeah, what everybody do. says to me everyone says everyone sort of says, oh you've got boys so they're never going to leave you I'm like mm, my boys will probably maybe possibly get wives <laughs> wives will replace me isn't it funny that you do think of this like NJ he is, um, we were speaking about this the other day because one of his friends proposed to a girl in the playground. Oh, God. <laughs> and, so then he was like, he came home and he said, um, oh, um, I, I, how am I going to get a wife? And I, and I said to him, um, he said, oh, no, I want to propose to somebody. And I'm thinking about who? And, I, and we discussed some of the girls in his class, this light, fun conversation. And we discussed, talked about a girl that he gets on well with. And then he said, oh, well, how will I get a wife when I'm older? Because I said, really, you don't have a wife till you're older. And um, he, he said, how will I find somebody? Oh, and I said, well, don't worry, it'll be okay, you know, um, and I'll always be here to help <laughs> you in your decision-making. <laughs> you, know, you know, you've got to go out with somebody that um, is a hard worker and that is kind and honest and smart and that will that loves you, really cares about you. And then you can, once you have a wife, then you can have um, your children. And he was he seemed really concerned about how he was going to find this wife. But I'm gonna Maybe that's what my anxiety about my children. Maybe I... It all stems from them leaving me, maybe, and that's all I worry about. No, but you know what? You say that. That's true. It is true. Like I'm a single mum, and I'm, when my kids go to their dads, I worry whether their dads are feeding them properly, whether they've cleaned them. Like it must how be so scary because you're, you've got no control at all. No control. Dads. You know, Danielle. I've I've called you sometimes crying when Jay's gone, and. Um, you know, how's he going to cope? Like last weekend, do you remember when I phoned yeah. last Friday, he was crying, holding on to me. He didn't want to go. And like, he has, he, he has a great relationship with his dad. And every time he goes, he has fun. And I, he left me on Friday and I, my anxiety was through the roof. I couldn't eat. I, could, I just couldn't do anything. And um, I just thought, what is the point of having a free weekend when it's just going to be just me sitting there going, is he okay? Are they okay? Is Sequoia sitting? Do you know what I mean? Like, so your kids leaving you at any point, it it, it triggers, it 100% triggers. And you, though you know they're in one of the safest spaces they should be in, yeah. it still doesn't alleviate um, your anxiety your anxiety and I think even when things are good and they're good you still because your, ch your children are with you 24 7 
do you know what I mean and they'll go there you know, it might be every weekend or every other weekend but fundamentally you are their goddess <laughs> like you do it all so when that's been taken away from you and you're no longer doing it you're kind of like you know that it's yeah that whole thing oh what do I do now and it's a bit like what you said Sarah about um oh what was it you were talking about um you know it's no longer about me like I have days when my kids wind me up and I scream and I'm like do you know what this is doing to me you don't care (laughs) you know because honest to god and I say this to them I'm a person yeah as much as I'm your mum I'm a person these days I'll just shut my door and I'll be like I can't I I can't mum as as Tembi I can't do this I I just can't and I'll cry and I'll be like I'm so stressed out and it's small things Mm. generally normally before my periods (laughs) you know (laughs) but I do have those moments when it's just like where where's my time fit into this like when when do I matter yes my kids are you know my earth but until we find that fine balance of I'm a person and I'm a mum I you know it's it's going to take a while like I do try and find it but when you're your parent it's very difficult but it's very important that you have me time I remember when my children were younger and um they were both living at home and I sometimes I'd be really in an irritable horrible mood and I know I was going to take it out on my kids so I would say Right, I'm just going up to my room. I'm going to shut. I don't feel like I need some time to myself. I need some me time. And I'd go upstairs and shut the door and read my book or whatever. I'd go and have a bath and spend an hour in the bath just to get that me time mm-hmm. because I didn't want to take it out on my children. But we get lost, don't we? We just, we don't know. We get to the point where we don't know who we are as a person because all we're doing is looking after other people. And it's a panicky, anxiety provoking feeling as well because. We feel out of control because all we're there for, it feels like sometimes, is to provide for our children. But who, who, you know, how you've got to look after yourself as well and you've got to find time for yourself. And it's really important for our mental health to do that. And we're not super mums. We're not superhuman. And it's always reminding ourselves of that. And we do deserve me time. And we do deserve to go out with our friends and do other stuff away from our children. How are we going to manage that without feeling anxious? And worrying about them the whole time that we're out yeah. and it's difficult it is I, I mean obviously um mum we haven't talked about your um depression and the funny not this is really not funny actually this is actually could be quite triggering um we had a discussion the other day and my mum actually said to me that she felt suicidal when I was a baby and that's mm. something that I didn't actually know and um you know do you think that your um, depression began after having me? And obviously you were 21, so quite young. Or do you know, did you have any feelings of that before? Or And then, you know, how did it feel getting to that point where you were like that low and you just had me and I know that you really, really, really were desperate to have a child? Yeah, I think what happened with me, um, I don't remember before um, having you Danielle feeling really depressed but I remember feeling very um not good in social situations very shy not wanting to talk to people not knowing what to say 
I've always been a bit of a social phobe and that was always there from an early age, not confident at all about who I was as a person, didn't like myself very much. So I don't think I recognised that as any sort of mental health issues at the time. And then when I had you, which was what I wanted more than anything in the world, and you were the most beautiful, happy baby anyone could ever imagine to have. And then after I had you, I'd, I'd gone into... <laughs> I'd gone into this depression, but I didn't even see it coming. It just came from nowhere. And this is the problem with some people when it just hits you in the face like that. And you were in, it was, I woke up one morning and I felt like I didn't want to be here anymore. I didn't want to live anymore. And you were in your cot, in your bedroom, playing, really happy. And I took loads of tablets. There were dysalgesics, which they don't give you anymore. And I remember lying there after taking these tablets and feeling so guilty, but I just didn't want to be in this world anymore. I just, I couldn't do it. And I rang my sister up and said to her, Mandy, I don't feel right. And she automatically came over and took me to the hospital and I had to have my stomach pumped, which was horrendous. And then I, they kept me in hospital for a while and I kept it from your dad. He didn't know why I was in there because um, I felt ashamed. And I felt so ashamed about it. And I remember after a couple of days in hospital, this psychiatrist come because they come to talk to you about. And in those days, it was like, no, no, I don't need a psychiatrist. I'm not I'm, I haven't got any mental health issues. I'm not mad. Go away sort of thing. And um, there was a woman in the next bed to me and she saw the psychiatrist come and talk to me. And I told him, I don't need any help. I don't need any support. This was a one off thing. I'm fine. And the woman next door in the bed next to me obviously had heard this and she stopped talking to me. And um, that made me feel so, you know, I felt such a weak, pathetic person. Obviously, I felt guilty because I had this most beautiful child who was lovely in every way. How could I even thought about leaving this world and leaving her behind? What would have happened to her? Mm. And I actually thought when I spoke to you the other day that I'd actually told you in uh, in the past about it. But I know I've talked to people about it in the past. So I felt so a bit guilty when I told you the other day. No, it stayed it stayed with me, to be honest. And that was one yeah. of the reasons why it prompted me to have this conversation, because I just yeah. thought, you know, all I know is that throughout my childhood that you really, really wanted a child, you know, you, like you were desperate to have a child and, you know, that's just all I know. And, um, you know, um, I thought that if anything, you might, cause obviously I, I'm um, a burns victim. I um, got burned by a hot water bottle being at my grand, great grandparents' house, um, which is a third degree burn on my leg. And I was in hospital for, well, how long was I? Six weeks? Three yeah over three weeks yeah maybe longer yeah. yeah and um you know that I um would have thought that that sort of thing is something that would send your parent into some kind of depression mm. um and also I think that people are under illusions of when you get depressed because even when I got depressed with NJ he was about eight nine months and I remember sitting in the hallway of my flat at the time with my partner in the front room, just sitting there crying, just feeling so alone, like he didn't understand. And to be fair, he's probably much more understanding now. He's four years younger than me. So, you know, he, his, um, so I guess at the time, how old was I then? I don't know. He was still in his late twenties. And um, 
well in man terms that's sort of like late teens <laughs> exactly 